This is Dr. Jaila, known as Pastor J of Ambassadors for Christ Ministries globally. And welcome to AFCM Online Podcast. Amen. Welcome to Prayer and Encouragement. My session tonight will be Fear Not, God is Our Protector. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you're looking for a commercial, well, we don't have any commercial today tonight for you. So that's okay. I want to focus a lot on the prayer and a word of encouragement. Let us begin with prayer. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Holy, Holy Father. Gracious, mighty God. Yehovah God. The one who has a name, Yehovah. The name above every name. Father, we bow to you in the name of your son, God the son, Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. Thank you, we can come. Lord, thank you for those who are already online and those who will be joining later. And if they don't join tonight, whenever they join, we say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this book, your word. It's the most amazing book from Genesis to Revelation. We will never tire of studying this word and teaching this word. We thank you for this. We recognize that hundreds and thousands might have perished to protect and defend this word, even to translate this from one language to another. How powerful this word is. Hallelujah. And Father, we thank you tonight. We can come together to pray and to encourage one another. Give me the humility, Lord, and the clarity and the sincerity to teach your word, to encourage, to pray. And Father, may each person who is listening be blessed, whatever his or her needs are. Lord, you know these are difficult times, and sometimes, Lord, even as I posted today on my spiritual nourishment message, there are times in all our lives when we reach the stage where we just throw our hands up in the air and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. But that's a good thing, because when we reach that stage, you're still there, and you know exactly what to do, and you will do what you have to do. So thank you. So encourage each person tonight. No matter what anyone is going through, in the mighty name of Yeshua, Lord, I just pray your special grace and your blessings upon your children tonight, whatever the issues are, whether it's spiritual, emotional, relational, financial, physical, whatever they are, you're the God of all of those things. And you have the power to direct and change anything and everything according to your perfect will and purpose. So we commit now this time of prayer and encouragement into your hands, giving you the praise and the honor and the glory in the mighty name of your Son, our Savior, our Lord, our High Priest, and our King, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. Praise our God. Amen. Praise our God. Thank you very much again, those of you who are listening. It's such a pleasure to have you. Welcome, welcome, and welcome, everyone. If I missed your name, I'm sorry. I just okay. Rosie, welcome. Glad to have you. Okay, anybody else? If you just if you just came on, I didn't see you. Welcome to another prayer and encouragement. Well, you heard me say the title already. Fear not, God is our protector. You may remember last week, if your memory serves you well. Last Tuesday night, I spoke on don't panic. God is our provider. I mean, if you remember that. Don't panic. God is our provider. The emphasis tonight is God is our protector. Think of it. Two different words. Provider, protector. God, and when I say God, remember to all of you Christians, when we say God, we mean YHVH. Never forget that. I've, I've labored to explain to people that you cannot speak of the word, you cannot use the word God in a pluralistic religious culture. Because the word God has different meanings to different people depending on their religious culture. If you're speaking just to Christians, well, of course, we all know what we mean. But when you're speaking in a multi-pluralistic society, we have to define God. The God identified by his very name, YHVH, which may very well be Yehovah. Yehovah, Yehovah, it doesn't matter. We kind of know what we're talking about. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. And we as Christians know him as Yeshua. God the son who came down to this earth. To pay the price for our sins. To God be the glory. So. I'm sure all of us. Have had those moments in our lives. Whether now or in the past. Or maybe even in the future. Where a crisis is so large. And so huge. And so beyond you. Whether it was a health crisis. Or financial crisis. 
a family crisis and you simply having tried everything no solution and you simply feel like i'm overwhelmed i wish i could just walk away from this and call it quits go live in the forest go live by a little stream and do some fishing and live there you're gonna get get my drift the world isn't getting any better church that you know contrary to any popular opinions and thoughts and questions i mean not questions the, the the press the media popular contrary to all of that stuff the world isn't getting any better all right i see a question here um let me read that question right now can demons attach themselves to a genuine born-again believer i understand they cannot inhabit where the holy spirit dwells but a friend this morning said they could attach Ooh, that's a heavy one sister sandy from australia that's a heavy question all right that requires an entire sermon actually but let me give you the brief answer to that okay if you're genuinely born again that means you have you are born again that means you have the holy spirit there is no room for any demonic spirit if you're not born again then there is room for demonic spirits okay i'll be clear on that if you're born again a truly born again believer there is no room in your being inside of you for a spirit to possess a demon sorry okay however if you're not okay let's suppose now you're born again all right can demons oppress you yes they can how simple a born again believer who exposes himself or herself to environments or situations or circumstances where he where he or she shouldn't be you're exposing yourself to the wrong environment so you could have greater demonic attacks upon you greater oppression by demons who though they will not enter you because they cannot enter you are going to oppress you in many ways so what should you do don't be in those environments and we have to know where to go and when to go and how to go and with whom to go so we have to be very careful about this uh, a few weeks ago i was doing a, a in-home bible study in massapequa long island and actually i had to give the attendees a little understanding about the same subject because they all felt this is a this is a common misconception that christians have that since we are all christians we all have the same level of spiritual power absolutely not let me repeat we are all christians but we don't have the same level of spiritual power why not well let me ask you a question do you have the same level of physical power no do you have the same level of emotional power no do you have the same level of mental power no well see spiritual power depends on how you grow in grace and in knowledge so some christians are weaker and some christians are stronger that's why paul said those who are stronger should have those who are weaker the very fact that paul said that as a command he said those who are stronger should have those who are weaker paul wasn't judging the the, the christianity he was saying they're strong believers and they are weak believers if you're a weak believer you are exposing yourself to greater demonic attacks i hope sandy and all of you listening that helps you understand the issue like i said it's a very deep subject and maybe one day i will have to do give a separate study on satan and demons and how that works but that's not a subject i look forward to doing only because it opens up a whole kind of worms for people like but but but, but. I, I prefer not to get there but let's see how the lord leads on that one amen all right moving on so yes last week i talked about god our provider and this week i want to share a word of encouragement god as our protector we have come all of us have been in situations where we threw our hands up in there and say lord i don't know what to do i don't know what to do that's a good place to be in <laughs> because then finally we come to the end of it as it were humanly speaking and we recognize you know what we need we need god we need god i want to tell you something this bible there are many stories like that think about the red sea situation red sea we don't know what to do god says good good i'm glad you don't know what to do now let me do something for you so i want to talk about god our protector by using god our protector will the situation in the world get better for christians no i have made that abundantly clear 
I couldn't be any clearer. If you've been listening to me for quite some time now, I am extremely clear on this matter. The world will not become a better place for Christians. Contrary to kingdom theology and the people who preach that everything will get better and the church will establish the kingdom of God before Christ returns, which is total nonsense. Unbiblical. My Bible says the world will get worse and worse and worse. And Christians will suffer and suffer and suffer until we are raptured out of out of hell, so to speak. You get my point. So not only is God our provider, which gives us faith to continue, but God is our protector. I'm going to use an Old Testament story to make the point. Now, I want to be very clear as a clarifying doctrine that when we go to the Old Testament and use the Old Testament for a story as an example of something, that does not guarantee that the very thing God did for this person or that person, God will do the exact same thing for you in the same way. Understand God is sovereign and God chooses to act as it pleases him based on what he wants to, what the point he wants to make to, to people. Are you with me? So one of the problems we have to be careful about is don't use an Old Testament story to say that proves God will do the same for you. No, that proves that God has the power to protect his people. How he does it, that's his business. Do I hear amen? So the Old Testament is written as examples to us to strengthen our faith, to fortify us in times of distress and suffering and need and being overwhelmed and we don't know what to do. God is our protector. So do I hear a loud resounding amen to this? Amen and amen, amen. and amen. So having said that, having said that, I want to go to the story of King Jehoshaphat. Now, this is a long story, but it's a powerful story. What's the title today? God or Protector. Have you had people attack you? Yeah. Circumstances. You can be attacked by the devil. Of course, we know that. He's always attacking God's people. Okay. We know that. You can be attacked by the devil. You can be attacked by people. Or you can be attacked by circumstances. The focus is, will God protect you? And we're going to go here to the Bible to see how God protects. One way in which God chose to protect. The key verse will come to you in a short while. But let's get the background. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, not Israel. He was one of the good kings of Judah. One of the good kings. Thank God we had a good king. After um, he came into office, then um, he began a systematic purging of Judah. He was doing a great job. Very good job. Then... Three countries got together and they decided to wage war against him. Those three countries were Ammon, Moab, and say Mount Seir. So the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir, I don't know what you call them, Serites, whatever you call them, but you get my point. Three nations, three nations against Judah. They were overwhelmed, totally overwhelmed. Who were they? King Jehoshaphat. And a small nation were overwhelmed by the multitudes that were about to invade him. So now what? Well, let's pick up the story. I'll read the verses and expound. You may not see the scripture on the screen because I need to pause often to get the story out and show us from God's word that God is our protector. Yahovah is my protector. I will go to various Psalms also, depending on my time. And you are going to learn a lot tonight. Praise God. So I begin. I'm reading from Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to verse 30. Not every single verse will I elaborate on, but the ones that are critical to the, the message of the story. It happened after this. That was a situation here where Jehoshaphat had cleansed the place and restored worship. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others, as from Mount Seir, the Ammonites, they came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now, keep in mind back then what a battle meant. It wasn't like what modern battles are today. There were no airplanes, okay, no naval, naval military carriers, no nuclear weapons. These battles were people with swords and daggers and, you know, horrible, brutal, bloody warfare. It was brutal, bloody. 
people would just be cut in pieces. I hate to talk about that, but it's just this bloody gruesome stuff. Anyway, so verse 2 says, Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazan Timah, which is an Gedi. So they were close enough. Hmm. What would be your response if you were the king? Well, panic could be a response, but panic doesn't help the situation. As far as Jehoshaphat was concerned, when he heard the when he heard the news and recognized how massive these armies were, he recognized that Judah was no match for these invading armies. It was over, but 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 for one thing. What about the God of Judah? What about Yehovah? Well, that's exactly where he went. Verse 3. Jehoshaphat feared. So first reaction, fear. Natural reaction. But I think the word fear there has two meanings. He feared the news, but he also had great fear, reverence for God. He feared. Okay, an army. armies are coming. What do I do? Panic. No. He feared and set himself, seek the Lord, to seek Yehovah, and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. I want, want you to understand something, brethren. He sought the Lord. One of the problems we have today among Christians is this. We think that God's grace, we sit back and God. We just sit back, just sit back because God's grace has done it all. And I hear so many Christians saying that. Why was um, Jehoshaphat seeking the Lord? We are always to seek the Lord. That's our response. We have a, a task to seek the Lord. That's why he's here. Well, God, I'm, I'm covered. I can sit back in. No, you must do something. Watch this story unfold. You're going to be amazed at the story. Amen. So we have to teach the whole Bible if you want to be encouraged. Prayer and encouragement. You want to be encouraged? Let's learn the lessons from the Holy Scripture. He feared God. He set himself to seek the Lord. So seek is an active verb. Seek the Lord. How does he do it? He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. I should ask you, do you have a fast? If not, why not? Maybe I should do a Bible study on the subject of fasting. Do you ever fast? If not, why not? Do you think that you can just live your life without fasting and expect to be spiritually strong as people who fast? No, you cannot. See, we have to understand something. There is a responsibility on our part, but God will protect. We have to do what we have to do, and God will do what God will do. Do I hear amen? He proclaimed the fast. So Judah gathered together, notice this, Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. Yes, we fast and we cry out to God for help. Jehoshaphat and his people fasted and they cried out to the Lord for help. Wouldn't we do that too? Yes, of course. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. From all the cities of Judah. So the word went out to the, the various towns and cities of Judah. Come up to Jerusalem, come up to the temple, and we got to pray. We got to seek the Lord. We got to win. We need protection. We are powerless and defenseless against this combination of nations. But in Christ, in God, in Jehovah, we have the victory. You may apply this situation to anything you're going through. We may not be going through a military war. I, I hope not. But... Anything that you're going through right now can be a battle where you can get badly damaged, wounded, uh, hopefully never defeated, but you may suffer temporary loss and temporary defeat. So keep that point in mind. So verse 5. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord. So where was he? In the house of the Lord. Where was he? In the house of the Lord. So this would be the temple. The temple by this time had been built by Solomon. You remember that? The first three kings of Israel, we had Saul, David, Saul, David, and Solomon. Under Solomon's reign, the temple was built. So this temple was in Jerusalem. So they were in the house of the Lord before the new court. And here's what he prayed. 
Now, beloved, I want you to see what I consider the most powerful prayer in the Old Testament. Maybe, arguably, Daniel's prayer likewise. But notice this prayer. The sequence of the prayer, the wording of the prayer, the content of the prayer. Maybe we can learn a thing or two from King Jehoshaphat. How about that? Oh, Lord God of our fathers. Oh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Oh, Yahweh. Oh, Yehovah. Not just, oh, God. He identifies God. Oh, Yehovah. God of our fathers. Wow. He begins praying by extolling God, exalting the name of God, praising the name of the Lord. That's how we should pray, by the way, generally. What did Christ teach us? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy name. Amen. So, O Jehovah, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Did you get it? Watch what he said. O Jehovah, God. Are you not God over everything? You're not like the Moabites God. The gods of the Moabites will localize gods only over Moab. The gods of the Ammonites will localize gods over the Ammonites. And the gods of all nations back then were local gods, local deities. But Yehovah was God over all the universe. Hallelujah. Uh, which God do you want to do battle for you? A local God? Or a supreme God who is over every nation. So already this prayer to Jehovah God. I'm assuming he's praying this out aloud. In the presence of the, those who were attending the meeting. The open May assembly. Would have encouraged the people. Pray. This was a, a situation of open prayer and encouragement. <laughs> Hallelujah. There you go. Just thought about that. Open prayer and encouragement. So in your hand. In your hand is there not power and might? So that no one is able to withstand you? No one. Wow. The gods of Ammon, the king of Ammon, the king of the Moabites, and the, the kings and the queens and their gods are unable to withstand your power, Jehovah, our God. Put that into local situations. You think the UN can withstand our God? All the nations, you know, when they get together, it's laughable. I, told you, I, I wrote this in a, a column I said yesterday. One of the biggest hypocrit hypocritical events in the history of mankind is when world leaders get together, laughing their heads off and eating the best foods, staying at the finest hotels, opulence, extravagance, and waste. And they are talking, they are discussing solving poverty in the world. <laughs> what a laughable foolishness that is. You think they want to solve poverty in the world? Let me tell you something. The, world leader, the leaders of the world do not want to solve the problems of this world. Think. If they wanted to, we would never have an escalation of the problems. Think. 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 Continuing. Are you not, uh, verse 7, are you not our God who drove out inhabitants who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Do you understand so far, beloved? Everything thus far in the opening paragraph of this prayer is about extolling God. Are you not the great God? You know, if you're praying, it's like this. You could say, are you not, are you not the God of you? Are you not my Lord Jesus? Lord, you are everything. You are, you can go on and on and on. That's a powerful prayer. Because when you start praying like that, that shows something very important. You're focused already on the power of God, the greatness of God, the glory of God, the might of God, rather than your weaknesses. Now, no. um, question. Do you have to be fully water baptized in order to receive the Holy Spirit? Question from Lisa. All right, that's a good question. There is some controversy on that subject. And people will have different opinions, obviously. I don't want to say I have the final authority on the subject. God is God and God can do whatever God has to do. Do I hear amen? First part of the answer. God 
does not need for a person to be water baptized to receive the Holy Spirit. So first principle, God does not demand you have to be baptized in the water to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, what does God say? When Yeshua walked the earth, was he baptized? Why? Did he need to be baptized? Did he need anything? No. He did that as an example for us. In the final commission in Matthew 28, before he departed, what did he tell his disciples? Go ye into all the world doing what? Baptizing them. Preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What happened in Pentecost, chapter, Pentecost Acts chapter 2? When the thousands heard the message that Peter preached, they were baptized. Okay. So there is a precedent and a commandment. There's a commandment. There's a precedent for water baptism by immersion. Why would I not want to follow the biblical command? So what am I saying? Where and when possible, a person who is a believer should be baptized in water in, by immersion. But where that's not possible, let's suppose you were living in the deserts of Sahara and there was no water, you cannot be baptized. Would God refuse to give you the Holy Spirit? I don't think so. See? So we have to be careful. Don't make the exception the rule. Let the exception be the exception. Somebody will point to me and say, what about a thief on the cross? Or what about him? Are you a thief on the cross? No. So don't be the exception. The exception is the exception. The rule is, yes, you should be fully water baptized by immersion. That the biblical, what we do as Christians is follow the biblical example as much as possible when, poss when possible. Right? That's why um, many Christian churches, we don't do water. We don't do infant baptism. Others do. There is no precedent for infant baptism in the Bible. Same thing. That's a big subject. Thank you for asking, Lisa. I hope that my answer answers your question. To God be the glory. Amen. All right. Moving right along. Very good question. I appreciate that question very much. Okay. So back to um, King Jehoshaphat. He reminded God of his goodness, his greatness, his power. He said, Abraham was your great friend forever. I love that. And you gave it to the descendants of Abraham forever. Forever. Who, who gave Israel to the Israelites? God, not the UN, not the Moabites, not the Ammonites. Get it? Yahovah God. What a powerful prayer. He hasn't reached the point yet of asking for help. He's simply extolling God. He's coming to God for protection. But look at how he prays. Contrast that with how we pray. See if there is anything we can learn here tonight. want to encourage you. Do I hear amen? Praise God. All right, we continue, verse 8. And they dwell in it, the land, and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name. Yes, Lord, you're the descendants of Abraham. You gave the land to us, and we have built the temple for you in your name, saying, if disaster comes on us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple, and in your presence, for your name is this temple, your name is in this temple and cry out to you in affliction and you will hear and you will save what a prayer king jehoshaphat was reminding god of what god had promised isn't that amazing he reminded god of what god had promised if you hold your place there in second in chapter 20 i want to quickly move to second chronicles chapter 7 and uh, where god spoke to solomon after the temple dedication. A scripture that's often quoted by many pastors and many Christians, totally out of context, of course, but you know, that's the norm these days. People just take a scripture and they quote it. And they think by quoting a scripture, somehow God is going to answer it. No, wrong. Watch this. God said to Solomon, Solomon, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain, this is Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people, everybody knows, every Christian, almost, almost every Christian knows Second Kings, Chronicles, sorry, chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven 
and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Thousands of Christians quote the scripture and they don't seem to know what they have just said. I hear people say, God, heal America. I respond, why would he heal America? Why? The prayer is useless. God, heal my nation. Useless prayer. Here's what God said. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Ah, where is the humility? Do we see the leaders of America humbling themselves before God? No, then a nation will never be healed. Simple. Why can't we believe what God says? Humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. Seek active. Seek my face. And turn from the wicked ways. Then, it's conditional. Then, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. If we were more diligent in our Bible study, then, or, or in a Bible study and interpretation, then the application would be a lot more correct. But a lot of people don't understand biblical interpretation at all. Therefore, the application is equally faulty. So Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was reminding God of what was said to King Solomon. Not that God needed to be reminded of that. I think mostly it was him exalting God and saying this aloud for the benefit of the audience. So that everybody will be aligned with God's purpose, God's will, and God's word. They wanted protection. God is our protector. But there are some things they had to do. You know what I said? There are some things they had to do. Another word in among evangelicals we hate. Do. You mean I just can't believe? No. Believe and do. Believe and do. Somebody say praise the Lord. I don't know why Christians hate the word do. I don't know why Christians hate the word obey. You can't disobey God and expect for God to protect you. Doesn't work that way. Back to the story. So, uh, verse, 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 verse 7. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it. Oh, I already read that. Okay. And verse 10. And now, and now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. So God had warned Israel, don't destroy the, the, those people. Israel had obeyed. But now, here they are. Jehoshaphat prays to God and reminds God, not that God had forgotten. He says, here they are now rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. That's a pretty strong legal case, wouldn't you say? If I put it that way. King Jehoshaphat is presenting his petition to God using biblical theology, biblical history. When we go to God in prayer, we have to be careful that we're using right theology. Think about the many lessons we are learning from this prayer. God is our protector. So whatever we are going through, whatever you're going through right now, brethren, whatever you're going through, you know, not to mention the global crisis, but anything, even if you talk personal things, forget about the global things, because you know what? That's God's doing. Let God do what God has to do. Okay. Again, you know, I'm, I'm limited in what I can say on that for obvious reasons. Okay. So let's just talk about your personal life here. Whatever your struggles are against whoever the enemies may be, whatever methods they use, whether they work for the devil, whether there's a family member, look, you are going to face battles. That's just the, it comes to the territory of being a child of God. Do I hear amen? How are you going to win those battles? You can't win those battles by your strength. You know that. You're overwhelmed sometimes. But God, amen? Now we come to verse 12, which is such an amazing verse. And I want that verse to appear on the screen so you can look at the screen carefully. Look at this verse now. Everybody look at this verse. This is Jehoshaphat's prayer. 
To me, this is the most powerful verse in the Bible when it comes to a human being crying out to God for divine protection. Watch this. Oh, our God. The very use of the first expression, oh, is like, okay, Lord, I've presented my case. I've explained to you exactly what you, I reminded you, Lord, of what you said. Now, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Leave that, leave that verse for another, another minute or so. Watch carefully, brethren. This is prayer and encouragement. After that long theology, the first few verses, in the final verse of this prayer, one verse, here's what he says to God. Jehoshaphat, lifting up his hands to God, says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? Who them? Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, will you, will you not judge these pagans who are repaying our kindness with this? Lord God, Father, we have no power against this great multitude. So here is humility. Watch this. Humility. He acknowledges that they have no power against the armies that are coming against them. It's a huge multitude. Nor do we know what to do. And even if he had power, he said, we don't know what to do. Oh, Jehovah, I threw my hands up in the air. Um, I don't know what to do. I have no answers. I have no military history books. I have no weaponry. I don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. What humility. Pause and think about it. You want God's intervention in your life. When was the last time we prayed that prayer? That requires great humility. Great humility. Great humility. Jehoshaphat humbled himself. Remember, he was fasting. He was seeking the Lord's face. He was fasting, not just the king. This king was leading by example. He didn't tell the people, you people fast while I while I enjoy my three, my my five course dinner. No. That's why I laugh at world leaders. Sorry. I, I cannot stand the sight of them anymore. It sickens me beyond words when I see all these global leaders out there in the finest garb, eating the fanciest meals, and say, and then they say, eloquently articulate we are here to solve the world's problems god forbid solve or create more which one king jehoshaphat humbled himself he recognized and acknowledged his dependence upon yahovah god for his intervention he says our eyes are upon you lord lord we have no way out of this we are all dead men but you, Lord, but you, what are you going through right now? And you feel like you're a dead man or a dead woman, whatever it is. It's like, oh, I'm exhausted. Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I'm weary. Lord, I just, just stop the world. and I want to drop out to the world, God. We turn our eyes upon you. It's a powerful story. Powerful, powerful. All of us need to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of the mighty God. You will see answers in your life. This is not Pastor Jay. This is the Bible. All I'm doing is faithfully teaching you the word of God and encouraging you today. If you want God's protection and God's provision and God's everything else, humbly acknowledge your total and utter dependence upon God. Seek his face fast. Do whatever it takes and come to the point where you say, Lord, we do not know what 
to do. I do not know what to do. But I know one thing I can do. I will turn my eyes upon you. I will seek your face. I will cry out to you. And I will depend upon you for the victory. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's, that's the way it works. Now, I, I don't need to depend on... <laughs> pardon me. By now, if you've been listening to me for some time now, you could know exactly where I stand on world issues. I don't care about what the FDA says or any company that manufactures a medicine to kill me says. I don't care what those things. I don't care what politicians say. It's useless. It's, it's garbage. What does my God say? What is the source? My source is the living God. He is the source of everything I am and hope to be. Do I hear amen? Do I hear amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. Well, let's continue. Now, verse 13. All Judah, watch this. All Judah with little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. Can you imagine the moment of quiet? There's a moment of hush. As the king is pouring out his heart to God aloud. And on behalf of all the people, he says, Lord, we don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. There is a hush across the audience. All Judah, little ones, wives and children stood before the Lord. Then in the midst of that hush, a voice comes. God sends a man with a message. Verse 14. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah. It's a long list of names, but that's okay. <coughs> a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. So in the midst of the assembly, a man rises up. His name is Jehaziel. God gave him a word. Now this is a genuine word from the Lord, not one of these words from the Lord that people like to say, the word, the Lord gave me a word. And the Lord didn't give him a word. It's, you know, whoever gave them a word. He said to them, listen all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says Yehovah to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. Ooh, to God be the glory. Hallelujah. The battle is not yours, King Jehoshaphat, but God's. God has already heard your prayer. But watch this. See, there's a powerful lesson, I believe, here for us. Sometimes God answers our prayers directly, sometimes indirectly. But in the miraculous, God answers our prayers, like this case for protection. But you will notice that the message also included some things that the king was supposed to do. To do. Not that the victory would be assured by Jehoshaphat. The victory would be assured by the God of Israel. Our faith in God's word. Our faith. Let me be careful what I say here. Our faith in God's word is evidenced by. Our obedience to the instructions God gives. Do I hear amen? People say, Oh, I have faith. You have faith, but you don't obey God. You don't have faith. You think you have faith. Obey God. Now, I'm not speaking that everybody listens to me. Yeah, I'm not saying you. I'm speaking to Christians in general, okay? So, look what he says. Tomorrow, go down against them. Go down. Tomorrow, go down. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. So God GPS them. And God said, listen, I'll tell you where they are right now and where you will meet them tomorrow. Don't worry. I already have it mapped out and everything is planned. It's going to work out for you. But here's what you do. Verse 17. You will not need to fight this battle. But there's a but. Jehoshaphat, just do what I say now. You don't have to pick up a sword. You don't have to hurl a spear or a javelin. You don't have to any of those. You don't need a gun and you don't need a, um, a nuclear uh, uh, bomb. <laughs> Sorry. Position yourselves. 
stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, position yourselves. Go down there exactly where I tell you. Do what I say exactly as I said to do, and you will behold a miracle. Hallelujah. God will fight for you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. So you are, you are going out, Jehoshaphat. You are the armies of Judah. You will go out as if you're going to battle, except one thing. You will not do battle. You will position yourselves. You will do what I command, and you will see me defeat the enemy. Verse 8. Reminds me of Moses in the Red Sea, remember? <laughs> Verse 18. Notice Jehoshaphat's response. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. He bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshipping Jehovah. Wow. How powerful that is. Uh, by the way, they didn't fall backwards, okay? They did not fall backwards. I repeat, they did not fall backwards. If you are in a church where people are falling backwards, you're in a backwards church, get out. Okay, I don't apologize for that statement. If you are in a congregation where people are always falling backwards and the pastor is pushing them down, that's not the church of Christ. No apologies for that statement. I have seen a lot of that nonsense. I mean, loads of it. Okay, I've been around a long time. Okay, so Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants bowed before the Lord. There is sanity here. They bowed before God, reverence, worship. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites they stood up to praise God. So some were bowing and some were praising. So the whole assembly was involved in this act of worship. Some bowing and some praising. Hallelujah. And they raised their voices high. Verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Hear me, O Judah. And you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in Jehovah your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. Believe in his prophets. Now be careful. That's Jehoshaphat speaking to the people of Judah based on a revealed word of God from a prophet from Jehaziel. This is not what some people stand up and say, the Lord gave me a word to give you, and the word has nothing to do with scripture. Okay. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. And believe his prince prophets, and you shall prosper. This is God speaking to a specific individual and to a specific nation. I want to remind all of you listening to me tonight. God doesn't have a specific nation right now, apart from Israel, which still is, still is his nation. But wayward nation, he will bring them back soon. No nation qualifies to be God's nation. So when somebody says, if we all pray for America, America will be healed, lie. It will not be healed. If we all pray for Canada, Australia, it will be healed. Lie. It will not happen. What? If everybody, including the, the prime minister and the president and the Congress and the Senate, repented of sin, which will never happen. See? Okay. Let's keep the, the theology right here. So when he, when he had consulted with the people, so he... So he explained, even though he was the king, graciously, Jehoshaphat consulted with the people. And then he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and those who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army. And they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. <laughs> Have you ever seen or heard somebody fight a battle like that? Praising God? That's how you and I remember Paul and Silas. Yeah, Peter and John. Remember all of these men of God in the book of Acts when they were thrown in jail, how they fought. They praise God. They praise God. 
not cried. They praised God. When they began, verse 22, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, something happened. This is an unusual military <laughs> strategy. Don't try using this in the world. It will never work. And I say, for people in the world, those can't use that. You are, you are facing a problem. You praise God. You give God thanks. Lord, I'm facing a crisis in my life right now. A battle, Lord. I need your protection. I need your protection. I'm going to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Great things he will do. Hallelujah. Blessed be his name. The enemy is coming. Blessed be his name. Great is our God. And great did you be praised. Am I making sense to anybody? <laughs> it's God's word. Yes. So when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, Yehovah set ambush against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. So God, the God of Israel, the God of Judah, the God of Jehoshaphat, Yehovah, God acted. Result, they were defeated. Who were they? The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the others, they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So they turned against each other. That was an act of God. That's an act of Jehovah. You know, you know some of us who are very holy, and I'm being a little bit facetious, oh, how can God do that? <laughs> really? How can God do what? He's God. Those people were enemies of God's nation, Judah. No nation can ever prevail against God's nation, Judah. Thus saith the Lord. Prophecy must be fulfilled. And no person can prevail against God's people, the church. No matter what they do. Now, we will suffer sometimes. But our victory is still assured. We will have God as our protector. Christ will triumph right over the enemies. Sometimes that may mean our death, like in the case of Stephen. So don't get me wrong now. No, there are times when God allows his servants to die. Stephen died. He was martyred. Paul was martyred. Peter was martyred. And many others, God's servants, were martyred. But even in that mart martyrdom, they had the victory. They were delivered. God was still protecting them until until whatever point he decided it was okay for them to come home how about that amen so verse 24 when judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness they looked down they looked toward the multitudes and there were their dead bodies fallen in the earth no one had escaped god routed the entire army well all the armies maybe i should say all the army armies that had combined together, God killed them all. Reminds me of what God will do when Christ returns at the battle of Armageddon. God will destroy them all. He will melt their flesh even as they stand up against Christ. He will melt their flesh from their bodies. <laughs> That's my God. God of love. A God of mercy, a God of forgiveness, a God of justice, a God who protects his people. Yes. Amen. The Praise the Lord. Thank you, sister. So verse 25, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them, well, they found lots of stuff. I mean, let's not even go there. I want to go to verse 27. Then they returned. Every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them, King Jehoshaphat was there with them, uh, going and coming. They made their way back to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. The Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments, harps and trumpets to the house of God. And the fear of God was in all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that Yehovah had fought against the enemies of Israel 
Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet. For his God gave him rest all around. <laughs> wow, the end. What a remarkable, powerful, encouraging story for us. If God could do that for Jehoshaphat, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, again, as I said at the beginning, God's ways are not always going to work out the exact same way for you and for me as he did for Jehoshaphat. That's God's sovereign will to determine how he would act on your behalf in your particular situation. Do I hear amen? We don't tell God what to do. We cry out to God and then God will do what God has to do. Amen. So when you look at the Bible, especially the Old Testament, how many times you see God describing himself to Israelis people by these words? I'll give you some words to think about. I am your shield. I am your fortress. I am your hiding place. I am your keeper. I am your refuge. I am your shade. I am your, did I say hiding place? I am your stronghold. I am your security. Do you notice one common thing with all those words? They're all military terms. Military. In other words, God is saying, I am your protector. I am your protector. What an amazing thing, amazing quality of God, an amazing benefit, as you say, of having a relationship with the true God. In Psalm 18, I'll just go there and read it as I close. Psalm 18. As I wrap this up right now, and uh, there are no more prayer requests, that's, that's fine. Um, I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to answer your questions as God leads. But I want to go to Psalm 18. Yes. Two scriptures, verse 1 and verse 2, to wrap up this session tonight. Psalm 18, verse 1 and verse 2. Um, here's what David writes. The Psalm of David. I will love you, O Jehovah, my strength. What's our subject tonight? God is your protector. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Jehovah is my rock. Jehovah is my fortress. Jehovah is my deliverer. Jehovah is my God. He is my strength. In him will I trust. Jehovah is my shield. Jehovah is the horn of my salvation. Jehovah is my stronghold. Wow. So what does he say? Funny, not funny. Amazing flow in verse 1 and verse 2. Therefore, verse 3. So I will call upon Jehovah, who is worthy to be praised. And I shall be saved from my enemies. Did David have enemies? Oh, yeah, he had a lot. Who, which one of God's servants did not have enemies? That was then. Do you have enemies? Oh, yes, you bet. Apart from the devil. Devil hates you. All the demons of hell hate you. And by the way, the more work you do for the kingdom of God, the more you'll be hated. <laughs> And the more you'll be attacked, okay? That's just the way it comes with the territory. And the attacks will come when you least expect them. But you have to be strong in the law, right? So what's happening in the world today? Is that strange? Is it strange that Christians are under greater attack? No, not at all. Not if we believe the word of God. Is it strange that sometimes your very family, your very family can be your biggest source of discomfort and attacks? Is that strange? What did Christ say? Didn't Christ warn you about that? A man's enemies will be what? Those of his own household. Did I say that? Did I make that up? Did, 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 am I predicting anything? No. Listen, church, brethren, I'm just telling you what the Bible already has said. I'm just telling you what the Bible already has said. So what are you going to do? There's a song, what are you going to do when they come for you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when they come for you? Okay, what, what are you going to do? Well, do what Jehoshaphat did. Lord, I turn, I turn to you, Lord. My eyes are upon you, most holy God. My eyes are upon you because, Lord, you alone have the control. You alone are sovereign. See, as um, this year closes out, we have two months left. We will enter a new year. We believe, I believe, and I think many of you listening to me likewise will agree that next year will be worse than this year. 
2021, this year, was worse than last year when the global collapse began. The global reset, which began last year, has consolidated and will continue to consolidate before you know what's going to happen. But I want to leave you with a word of encouragement. You see, you have to understand that God himself said these things will happen. Oh, I, I hear people say, oh, well, you know, we let's pray for America to be healed. What does that mean, brethren? How do you pray for America to be healed? Do you pray for the, remo the removal of the, those in office? Because as long as they're in office, the country cannot be healed, right? Do you pray then for every prime minister, every president, every congressman, every senator, every prime minister, every leader, every social leader, every political leader, for all to drop all other religions and become fully born again Christians? Yes? Good. Then you're praying for the kingdom of God to come. That's what you're praying for. Then you're praying for Christ to return. That's what you're praying for. Thy kingdom come. That prayer before Christ return cannot ever be reality. Because God already has determined. Couldn't God, watch this, couldn't God have stopped the armies from invading Jehoshaphat? Couldn't God have said, don't worry about it. I'm going to stop them. They will not even enter your country. God chooses to work in his unique ways. Because in doing that, what God was demonstrating to King Jehoshaphat and to Judah and to us is that our God has the power to protect us and deliver us. If this story hadn't occurred, we would have never known anything about it, would we? You know, here was the, the here, here were the kings of, of the Ammonites hatching a plot and God struck them dead immediately. Okay, how would anybody have known that? How would you write a story about it? We wouldn't know. So God, Jehovah God, allows circumstances in such a way that we have to face the literalness, the reality of the enemy who is attacking us and, and, and actually seem to be victorious. And God says, ah, stop. And then the testimony becomes reality. My God, look at that. What an amazing God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Well, I, I'm hoping all of this is helping you, brothers and sisters. God wants us to participate in his deliverance. And that's why he often allows us to reach the point where we have to throw up our hands in the air. And God says, now watch what I do. But I want you to go in your closet and pray. I want you to start rejoicing. Why well, I want you to do something for me. Let's go do it. I want you to pray. I want you to fast. I want you to seek my face and watch me at work. All I'm doing, brethren, is helping you to stay encouraged and to strengthen you for the tough times ahead. If you think it's bad, yes, it is. But it will get badder, worse. It will get worse. Now, I hope that this message has encouraged you. You should go back and study Second Chronicles chapter 20. Study Psalm 18. Study Psalm 121 and other related scriptures to verify and confirm and to affirm God is your protector. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with you. Though an army encamp against you, he is with you. No matter who comes against you, he is with you. But you have to do something. Pray. Fast. Seek his face. Repent. Turn to him. Cry out to him. And still do what God wants you to do. Do I hear amen? amen. Let me pray with amen. you as I close and then make any announcements. Amen. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Holy Father, are you not God of Israel? Are you not God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Are you not the God who delivered Israel out of the Egyptians' hands? Are you not the God who opened the Red Sea? Are you not the God who del delivered Jehoshaphat from the combined armies of the Ammonites? And the Moabites and the people of Mount Seir. You're still the same God. Of yesterday, today and forever. You haven't changed. And you never will change. Lord, here we are in 2021. This year is coming to an end. and We are closer to the return of the Messiah. And we are closer also to all the bad the things that will happen on this earth. 
But Lord, we have confidence in you that no matter what happens, you are with us. You are with us. That we will stand still and see the salvation of our God. We will see the victory, Lord. The victory is ours because you have declared it. You have willed it. You have purposed it. And you will do what it takes to make it become reality. So, Father, my praise for everyone who's listening right now. I pray for every single person individually, what, whoever they are, by their names, you know each person, Father. So all the members, all the online members, whether in the USA or Canada or Australia, India, Pakistan, the Philippines, the Caribbean, the UK, whatever country, Father, they may be listening, wherever they are. I pray a special blessing upon each person right now for strength, for courage, for faith, for boldness. For humility to come to the point like King Jehoshaphat to say, Lord, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you because you, Lord, know what to do. And you know exactly how to do it, when to do it, and you will do it. Glory and honor and praise to your holy name because you are the great I am that I am. You are the Lord who is our, your Jehovah, the one who is our rock. Our refuge, our fortress, our deliverer, our shade, our hiding place, our security, our deliverer, everything. Hallelujah. Praise your holy name. We ask all these blessings for your children today in the mighty name of King Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Praise our God. Praise the Lord, everyone. So glad that you were able to join tonight for this powerful session of prayer and encouragement. God as our provide protector. God as our protector. Want to remind you that tomorrow night is Bible study. Yeah. Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. I am still with the epistles of Peter, but now I'm moving on to 2 Peter. So 2 Peter chapter 1 is tomorrow night at 7.30 Please join. Please uh, share with others. And remember, 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 share this. Share this message. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for praying. Thank you for caring. And thank you for those who, who are giving to the continuation of this ministry. To God be the glory. And may God bless you and reward you richly for all you do for this ministry and for his kingdom. Because ultimately, it is for the kingdom of God. Amen. And amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So God willing, I'll see you tomorrow night. Have a wonderful night, a blessed night. Stay and always stay strong in the Lord. Stay strong in the Lord Yeshua and in the power of his might. He is your protector. He is your shield. He is your defender. He is your deliverer. He is your everything. Hallelujah. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye now.